0: This is the Dear Warren podcast.
1: Okay, and we're on. How you doing, Roy? I'm doing just fine. Um, Roy is my musical brother. Uh, in a band together, make some music, but also at the same time, he has graciously come out this morning to help us out uh, in the inaugural inaugural, uh, I guess. Alpha, beta demo test of the Delta, Dear Dear Warren podcast, where um, from the general description, we're going to see how it goes, a little bit of backseat parenting, um, a little bit of entertainment, some stories, but mainly due to the fact that um, I would like to just talk to interesting people that uh, are... And you didn't have a choice to get any, so you ended up with me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, Going off the fact that, you know, with a, a small circle of influence, just people that have influenced me in some way, and hopefully one day uh, will, through some me as a, some type of filter, whatever Roy does, will somehow influence Warren. So. <laughs> oh, you're in for trouble I'm in, I'm in big trouble <coughs> then. But yeah, I guess a, a, a perfect part to start with is just probably just with, I, I guess, the relationship with music and everything like that. And we were actually talking last week a bit of just how we got in into music. I was actually thrown in because of uh, you know, oh you could walk now. Do you want to do baseball? Do you want to do football? No, <coughs> piano lessons. So I started out, and I think I took like thirteen years classical. How about yourself?
0: Um, you took a lot more class, a lot more lessons than I did. Oh yeah, really? I started playing at a very very young age. As a matter of fact, the story goes that supposedly I was. Uh, well, my mother played piano, okay, mm-hmm. so it was a grand piano in our house when I was first born, and uh, it wasn't our house, it was our apartment, because we lived in the Bronx in an apartment building. Um, and I was, at 18 months of age, I was clunking out the melody to Around the World in 80 Days oh. on the piano. So, so this I, was all
1: just from your ear?
0: Yeah, so they figured, nice. yeah, I probably have some, some ability. So I was when we moved out to Long Island when I was six years old, that's when I started my Actual lessons, uh-huh. uh, and I only had lessons for about two and a half years because, uh, also, one of our close friends of our group of my brothers and mine uh, was a guy named Russell Midomeyer, who's ended up becoming the president of Conservation International in Washington D.C. He uh, discovered a couple of genuses of monkeys. You know, he's, wow. Uh, he, he's let's put it this way: he has got a lot of accolades. But any, as a matter of fact on his board and one of his friends was uh what's his face from the st- uh, Star Wars uh no way uh, uh Han Solo uh Harrison no, Ford Harrison Ford yeah cuz he was he was a big contributor too you know, uh to the
1: Conservation International I think it's interesting <coughs> how immediately you just jumped straight to Han Solo instead of just saying Harrison Ford well, How iconic I, I, that is!
0: I, could, I couldn't think—I couldn't think of uh, Harrison Ford's name offhand because early in the morning, I, and I'm only <laughs> on—not even my second cup of coffee. Come on,
1: <laughs> that is very true.
0: But anyhow, what mm-hmm. happened? What happened as a result of that is I followed him into the Bayshore Swamps one day, and uh, the they, they get toads and snakes and turtles, and ended up contracting contracting uh, impetigo, uh, which is a very what? yeah, it's a very uh, very very highly contagious skin disease. And, uh okay. I, I think I don't know if I told yeah I think I told you like, do I, I have to be sitting farther
1: away from you right now or no no or no
0: luckily look at that, that but I have in my in my uh, my uh, DNA I have a uh, well from my mom's side of the family uh, she has eczema so didn't know okay. it, it was latent in me that exacerbated the eczema and as I told you, the uh, you always have to look it was which pointer finger. It was mm-hmm. on my right pointer finger. The uh, slowly, I watched as the skin around the pad was eating eating away. Oh, jeez! And then one day, it kind of plopped off. So it was like, is my piano playing days over? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I stopped having lessons. By the way, so but <clears throat> and long story short, found this great dermatologist who's uh, went in his own back room. He had a little laboratory, and made these salves and within three weeks, everything came back to normal. So.
1: I stopped playing piano because I discovered guitar and Metallica, and I was like, "Screw that! I want to play guitar." You had to stop playing piano because your fingers were falling off. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I loved it that. so much, my fingers were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, body parts falling off is is part of like musicianship lore of how much they love uh, uh, playing. Stevie Ray Vaughan, you, you heard the famous story about his calluses, right? Those, uh he was playing a club, and. Uh, he obviously, when he plays guitar, he plays on like 13 gauge strings. Yeah, I uh, heard, like really, 13, 14 like gauge strings, wire. right? Mm-hmm. Like really thick strings, just, and his hands were huge. Anyway, he's playing a gig, and I guess it was, you know, like an all nighter set. He tears the callus off uh, his one of his fingers, like it falls off. Goes into the, the legend has it, he goes into the club manager's room. He goes, Well, what happened? His, his hands are bleeding. And he goes, Oh, nothing. Uh, do you have super glue? super glues the callus back onto his hand and the club manager's like dude us you already did a great set you don't have to like do anything you, you don't have to play anymore and he and he, he looks at him and goes no nah, man i got to do this and just super glues the callus back onto his hand goes back in and just plays it another ripping set
0: have you ever played in the head head you know blood coming off while you're playing yes Is
1: i that- have played but it's not from a callus falling no. off it was from bad picking technique yeah. on acoustic mm-hmm. and i like tore up my right hand um, just, I guess I was using too small of a pick, or you know, my too early in my in in my guitar playing days, and and just like blood was just gushing all over like the the, the side of my uh, um, acoustic, just because I was tearing the skin off of like. Did you notice it
0: immediately? Hand.
1: What's that? Did you notice it immediately?
0: No. Yeah, no. That's, I, that's, that, yeah. Go ahead. I, I I remember I was playing. I I had a gig in in Manhattan for like four years. I played at this place called Chelsea Place. It was a mm-hmm. really hot club, and. So I'm playing one night, and it was oh, it was a packed house every night, you know, because it, even though it was a grand piano, it was amplified grand piano, and mm-hmm. it had all other instruments. So bands would play there. The only instrument that wasn't allowed was a drummer, because that was back in the days of cabaret licenses still. Really? You know? Yeah. So that was, but that was the early. The er- drummers weren't allowed. No, for cabaret, because li- the sounds of the drums would go through the through the walls, you know, all throughout the apartment buildings. Really? Yeah. But, and, uh, but
1: even like the sounds of other instruments were... They muffled
0: more. They were they loud. Mu- oh. They were, but drum machines were starting to come in just then.
1: Okay. Yeah, the,
0: the one drum machine was the Korg Rhythm 55 at that point. But anyway, so we're playing pop music, right? Playing and banging and banging away. And I'm playing, playing, right? And I'm watching everybody. All of a sudden, I'm starting... Why are my hands sticking on the keys? Oh. And I looked at... And the whole the whole upper register of my keys were like all oh. red. And people were like, like looking with their eyes going, popping out. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's very... Oh, the contrast of it, too, because obviously keyboard with, like, I'm sure some type of, like, ivory keys. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. You could even mask it. Oh, my God. Oh, the, the contrast was really nice. The red and white, you know? <laughs> I'm sure it was. So, um, I guess the lesson for more and then when he grows up is to play until you bleed and keep going
0: right? um yeah no no the, the maybe the lesson is no no you have to beat him so he's used to bleeding and don't worry about it that's all <laughs> and that's how you build character right uh-huh.
1: one sort of character at least he'll be an axe murderer but that's beside the point that is besides <laughs> the point you see this is why i bring you on roy to to kind of influence or directly with these lessons but Coming back to it, as far as with, just with music, as you saw, you kind of, did you, so you voluntarily went into music as opposed to uh, your parents forcing you into it, in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't forced into it at all. I mean, my sisters
0: sang, and my mother played piano, my father supposedly sang, but he was working at that point, Mm -hmm. and he would sing occasionally, although it was interesting, because my father was very much dabbling in early electronics, so we had uh, the. Besides the early tape recorders, he had the early record machines that actually made records, mm-hmm. and so he would make records of my sister and uh, my my mother playing, my sister singing, my mother playing, or him singing and my mother playing. Really? Yeah. This is all analog too, right? Oh, anal- analog! You're talking uh, lacquer, you know, lacquer disc that you put a heavy tone arm on, and as you say, as the microphone picked it up, it would actually etch the grooves onto the lacquer. Wow. I have them downstairs in the
1: studio. When next time you come, I'll show you because they're falling apart now because the lacquer's all coming apart. That's amazing. Yeah. So going into that, you, so you voluntarily wanted to. about what age did you want to start playing?
0: Uh, well, I wanting to start, I was playing all along. I got uh-huh. the chance to play the, the do the uh, the lessons. I stopped at eight and a half. I went uh-huh. back when I was about nine and a half. After you know, and I did that maybe another year, and then I was just I went. Uh, I
1: was enjoying doing the school systems, all the music, and that instead. Yeah, I think, I think that's around the same age that I, I was put into it. You know why, though? When 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 my dad came to the States, he, he was also with his uh, best friend, Sam. And he Sam had two daughters that, uh, I, oh my God, one of them, by the time they graduated, one of them was in Princeton, one of them went to Williams, I believe. One of them's a pediatrician, and the other one's an astrophysicist wow. now. One of them, I think, got a perfect score in the SATs, or something really really close but anyway he my dad saw like the that the daughters were doing very well and both of them were learning from the the local piano teacher in in nutley her name was mrs stark and so i think that's i believe that's probably one of the reasons why you know they put 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 them in there to kind of just follow along that same line of success as opposed as opposed to actual like musical and after 13
0: years your dad said why didn't it work for you?
1: <laughs> oh, nice, Roy. Thanks a lot. Jeez. I would come back too, but obviously, right now I'm not. I don't. I'm just drinking water, and mm-hmm. it's too early in the in the morning. The I helped you. Coffee. I helped you up with the secret sauce already with some coffee. The coffee. The. But yeah, when 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 going into it, I think it's interesting, as you said, that with uh, going voluntarily into music in a way that you wanted to play that was more so like i just i just wanted to play my video games and everything well when's the first time you started with a band with the band i would say sometime after i had like almost a year of guitar under my belt how old were you then probably around 16 i would say i started guitar late i started guitar late because uh i didn't even really know of i at, at that age on, on the radio and everything, I was I was listening to what is it like Z one hundred. I was listening to like. Did pop you have an music. amplifier
0: when you had the guitar, or did you just have yes. the guitar alone? Well.
1: When we first got the guitar, um, uh, we we went to a Sam Ash, I think, or something like that, and the salesman uh, was wanting to push like a guitar on on us, and he just needed to somehow do the sale some way. Mm-hmm. And usually, what they try to do, and this is probably a sales tactic. I bet they all, all do. Oh yeah, you start out with acoustic. You know, you can take it anywhere with uh, yourself, and you know. But what eventually has to happen for for a kid when they have an acoustic guitar, you eventually got to get an electric oh, guitar. Yeah, so, of they, so, you know. But I was so such a Metallica fan at the time. I was like, no, I want an electric. And so then the guy immediately, I noticed, he immediately switched his tone. He goes, oh, yeah, an electric is fine, you know? You're, you know, the strings are lighter. You can, you can start playing sooner on it. So he, like, really was looking to at least sell it. He, and he knew at that point, he oh, this is easy. I can get a, make him get the guitar and the amp at the same time. And you, you want to know the funny part? What? I'm naturally a lefty. So. Uh, You're a lefty? I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty. Yeah? Yeah. And, and as we're buying the guitar, mm-hmm. I hold the guitar like a lefty guitar, but obviously mm-hmm. all, all their stock guitars, all their floor models and everything are, 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 righties. And so, um, I wanted to get like a Fender Strat or something like that.
0: Amazing. You didn't end up like Hendrix and t- got a right handed of guitar. I didn't
1: retarded. know about that. No, that, that's how naive I was with guitar at the time. I didn't know about like Hendrix and what he did. Mm-hmm. I wasn't yet down that path yet. All I knew was Metallica. <clears> this <throat> was still young. Mm-hmm. So then when he's trying to sell me the guitar, he goes, oh, well, you know, lefty guitars, they're going to be about $300 extra. My dad just looks right at me and goes, you're learning how to play righty. <laughs> so I had to like force myself to, and now it's all like well, natural. Well, you were lucky. To, but yeah.
0: When I, had, when I joined my first band, I didn't have an instrument yet. Really? <laughs> what happened was in my, my house, we, I had a... By the time we moved out to Long Island, they didn't have the grand piano anymore. They had an upright mm-hmm. an upright console, and it, we also had an organ. A Baldwin Orgasonic, oh, I, nice. I remember. And so, I'm sure that was portable. So, how I joined the band was really that there was this other band that knew about me and kind of foisted themselves on me. Uh-huh. So, next thing I know, we're having rehearsals in my living room. There. <laughs> and right after we have two rehearsals, they already had a gig lined up. Nice. Yeah, so... Kind of needed an instrument at that point, so I think what happened. My father, you you had Sam Ash. We actually had the uh, the manager of the Huntington store, and Sam Ash lived on my block. Mm. So he knew us. So he talked to my dad, and next thing I know, we went down there, and I got my first my first keyboard and amplifier, and then I was I had my equipment for the band. I had the Farfisa combo compact uh-huh. in red disgusting looking color <laughs> and a Hanes based King amplifier
1: wow and then what was the wattage on that was it the was it something maybe 80 watts oh geez that's Which, actually a lot of power to it yeah two, <laughs> two 12 inch two 12 inch speakers oh geez I had a little 30 watt when I started out it was like a roland it was actually i think it was something that larry coyell was pushing at the time oh really yeah it was like a, like a roland the jazz called.
0: king or the jazz chorus
1: the the smaller version mm. of that it was like the entry level version of that and it would always it would sound great you know solo but then like as soon as you went past like four or five on the volume knob just started like crunching up the clean tones i mean it's beautiful mm-hmm. but at that time i, I, I like i didn't I didn't need the blues crunch. I need the metal crunch. I didn't know about distortion pedals or anything at the time. So I was like, all right. But in any case, the, yeah, getting into music at the time for me was, was I'm listening to Z100 and I really didn't know anything at the time of (coughs) music. I was just listening to, uh, I think there was like a top five at at night. And I remember I would, there was this tune, uh, Snow's Informer. Do you ever hear that? You got to pull that up. I think a bunch of people are rolling their eyes right now because that was such a freaking 90s tune, like one hit wonder. But I, I don't know. At one point in my life, that was like my favorite song. I knew the lyrics to it. And if uh, we pull it up on YouTube or something like that, you're, you're going to, if you think you're laughing at me now, you're going to be cracking up at me later. I'll probably be cracking up yes. at you later. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but in any case, probably my, my freshman year, one of my, my friends, Mike, comes out with a, a, a cassette. That's right. A cassette. Not a CD. Cassette because we all had Walkmans at the time. Oh, remember that? Yeah. Yes. And it was uh it was Metallica live shit binge and purge. It was their live album from from Mexico City. He goes, Here, act. listen to this. I'm 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 done listening to it. I'm, I'm and I have I have no idea. What are you what is this? What are you talking about? I put it in and it's in it starts out right in the middle of a Kirk Hammett soul, and it's the first time I ever really hear heard lead guitar. And it's and it's one of those. Where it's not even in the song. You know how mm-hmm. like back back in the day they have like oh song song and then like guitar solo song song a drum solo song song bass solo yeah. or something like that. So it was in the middle of his guitar. I just hear something like wow, and with the wah pedal and everything. And, and my eyes just went, what is this? For a week and a half, I played that you know that tape the whole thing over and over. I I, I couldn't believe that that sound. Could come out of an instrument, or and now you can do it out of a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it out of a keyboard. You can you can you can click a button right here on the laptop. That's true. And that sound will come out as well as any other tune, and you can auto tune it as well too. But in any case, and then that year, uh, for sixteenth birthday, whatever my dad asked, oh, what do you want for your birthday? I said, hey dad, I re- I, I want a guitar, and you could just see you could just see him in his face. It was just like, oh boy. Like, it's it started, so. <laughs> did I ever tell you that I owned an electric guitar and amp before I had a keyboard? No. Yeah. I was actually about to ask you, did you have any other instruments prior to... I bought a $25 you-
0: electric guitar and Corvettes and a $20 5-watt amplifier with a 6 by 9 inch speaker in it. <laughs> so you could just play for the cat basically myself no no and and always remember and i think it was ten dollars right there was a there was um it was like a plug it was a instead of a pedal Uh it was you plug your 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 patch cord into it and it had had the little module and it had the quarter inch jack on the Uh outside you plug it directly in the amp what it was was just a preamp booster alone distortion okay so
1: I, would, I bought that. So I had this five amp, and that punk. I'd be trying to do my solos. <laughs> Did it work? And and you kind were probably and you were probably doing that all by ear as well too, right? Or yeah, by ear. Yeah, yeah, and and ear. And I I picked up a, a maybe a Mel
0: Bay guitar book for chords. Yes. Oh
1: maybe that. Yeah, so I learned bar chords. And, and Mel Bay's still chords. around. Yeah, you know that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it, if he is still around or oh, he's got to be long since gone. I mean, Mel Bay was—they had the books out the in the brand. 50s <laughs> I know, and looks old on the pictures in the fifties. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, the, the the company itself is is still around, and and they push all the latest and greatest. Uh, obviously, like a <laughs> Rosenwinkle and everything like that, as far really? as like jazz guitar books mm. and everything. I don't think Rosenwinkle himself has a guitar book. I think someone else like just took a bunch of his like best standards or whatever, and then just. Compile it all he, to what one. He, does, he, he yep. endorses
0: it so they can put his name Ex- on it? Uh, yeah, there yeah. you go.
1: But, um, okay, so there was some type of, a little bit of like formal education going. Oh, in th- I did a lot just, of other, I, I played bassoon uh, in
0: uh, in junior high school. Oh, yes. Took, Trump, a trumpet here. Well, well, first first of all, no, I started up the first instruments, uh, let's see, was violin mm-hmm. in fourth grade. And then fifth grade, in fifth grade, they started our bands, you know, in mm-hmm. elementary school. And the band teacher saw me playing around a piano one day and said, hey, come on, come on into my room. I want to see something. Yeah. And he brought out a set of orchestra bells. Would you be interested in this? Ah. Yeah. So then I started playing orchestra bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had that. And then from there, I went from junior high school, since I was playing orchestra bells, and I was doing bassoon for the full orchestra. I started doing uh, percussion, and then I was playing timpani. Then I was the timpani player for all through
1: school. Always something with a mallet hitting uh, a tone-producing.
0: Well, not the bassoon. That's a double reed, but otherwise, well, yes. Well,
1: the, the majority, it sounds like a, a, a good majority of them. You ever do um, vibes? Vibes? Yeah. Vibes I only played with. there weren't vibes in, in our school system. You What's know, that?
0: There were no vibes in our school system. <sighs> the orchestra bell was the closest thing to it. I would mm-hmm. love the vibes. You're kidding?
1: When we yeah. would do the state competitions or something like that, mm-hmm. and you go on stage and vibes, I've always been playing around with the vibes. Very nice. But now you can do vibes as as you said. You can do electric guitar too. Just yeah. like hit, hit a certain uh, button on uh, on the keyboard. But it's not just same. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you know that I, a, a good due to my ignorance, or maybe not even my ignorance, just like being a kid and just like forgetting things, that... Uh, I was supposed to play saxophone, but um, they only allowed like limited people to you know like oh if you because, well, back in, like, fifth grade or <laughs> back fifth grade or sixth grade only uh they have like a certain number that they would allow to like try out for uh, a certain instrument, and I forgot that there were saxophone tryouts that oh, day. Oh wow. And then, like, I I come home and my mom's like, oh, so where's your saxophone? I'm like, um, just, what are you talking about? Yelling at me, go back there and see goes, And the music teacher was like, nope, we don't have any more sax... All filled up on It was, like, one of the most popular one. Of course. We need some trumpet players. There was only, like, two or three. And I was, like, one of them. So. But, yeah, that was... I I guess my musical experience for the first 13 years of it was kind of, like, more you know, you know, do it, do, do this, uh, thing. So what do you, what do you think? What do you think was the, the, the difference here? Do you think it's just because, um, when you were growing up, your, your parents or just people around you were just playing a lot of good music that made you want to play versus, uh, I guess in, in my case, I could only start appreciating that really good music, like much later on after like oh my god now i'm actually playing guitar or, or something now and then i listened back to my dad's record collection i'm like oh my god he's got like led zeppelin four every single beatles album mm-hmm. steely dan rippington's tons of stuff so what do you think
0: I, I you know what really started me off probably my mother only because of the fact we had the piano there she played i started playing and she had she was you know she liked Jazz, so to speak, but not not the jazz you would think of as much as today. She's like she was like, uh, we would have also classical music, first of all. Mm-hmm. Had classical music, so my, I fell in love with Rock Bono's Second Piano Concerto by the time I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I loved it, right. But uh, Andre Previn, Andre Previn ended up, I don't know if you know Andre Previn. Andre Previn back in the 50s and uh, maybe early 60s. Was had had a jazz trio, jazz quartet. Andre Previn ended up becoming uh, the conductor of Los Angeles Philharmonic. Was it? Mm. He also ended up marrying Mia Farrow. You know, <laughs> after Frank had dumped her. Uh, uh, he didn't uh, do too bad for himself. Yeah. So and had that, and also let's see, who else would she have? She had uh, uh, George Shearing. You know, be a lot of George Shearing yes. stuff. So you know, was listening to that playing. So I I would hear that in the background all the time. You know, and mm-hmm. even. Things like Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole, you know, you think of the thing. When he would play the piano, you know, Nat King Cole's style is very distinctive. As a matter of fact, a lot of great pianists attribute their early desires to want to play, hearing Nat King Cole play, back when he was mm-hmm. in the Nat King Cole trio. Bill Evans always says one of his one, one of his biggest influences was Nat what,
1: King Cole. What was, because what was, <clears throat> it's a blur to me, since I was an 80s kid, what was the pop music going back in the early to mid 80s then what was it then
0: wouldn't know because by that time I was listening to jazz and zappa there you go what the music me growing up would probably be the late 60s early 70s and that was the classic pop uh, classic rock
1: you know I get maybe that's the reason maybe my parents really hated the pop music of the 80s so then I couldn't really get to hear what was you know really popular, or maybe they did play whatever it was at the time, and I was like, I, this is...
0: I mean, it was, there was some know? good 80s pop music, but there was a lot of crap, too, that yeah. know, it was all formulaic. I mean, if you, you you know, I tell you, I'm a big reader of tape op, you know, and mm-hmm. um, i have listening to all the stories of all the, uh, the uh, recording engineers mm-hmm. and all the inside people, and I'm um, reading even in this issue, and he even talked about in this issue how... <clears throat> these guys who are great engineers that, that you know, engineered all these famous you know, albums and fam- fam- famous musicians, how they talk about how by the 1980s, the major labels were not interested in really nurturing the talent. You know, the big thing back in the 60s and 70s were the A and R men, artists mm-hmm. and repertoire? They're the ones that were trying to cultivate, trying to find the new, interesting sounds to develop a, or develop an artist. They said, this artist has something we can develop him? You know, because they figured he developed and make great product and sell a lot of a uh, lot of records.
1: They probably did that with, uh, you know, when I'm watching documentaries mm-hmm. about Stevie Wonder or I'm wa- wa- watching documentaries about Ray Charles mm-hmm. and everything. I think they you like, oh, here's this kid who's you know got this amazing talent. Is that what? Yeah, Probably maybe. the same type of track that they ran on as well, too Yeah, and then, and then there's always the story of how Zappa got his start What was that?
0: Zappa, you know, in his band, he was experimental And they, they were very counterculture at the time But they had one kind of pop tune uh, that they did, right? And it happened that, because they were out in the L.A. area That this A&R guy came in with a bunch of people And he was half drunk at the time, supposedly And <gasps> he came in while they were playing that one song And he immediately, on the spot, signed them to a three-record deal not knowing not knowing nah. and then they put out we're in it only for the money and stuff like that it's like what the fuck is this you know? yes
1: <laughs> that's awesome yeah that happens though um i think a good recent example of that was uh we uh jason and i told you the the story with uh juliana and uh and his band with david bowie correct no david bowie the late great david bowie came out with uh his last album black star and i think it was back in 2014 where juliana one of the you know best modern jazz drummers one of the best drummers in my opinion overall of of today his band was playing in bar 55 in new york city and obviously the so many great acts just come in there daily on 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 a nightly basis and his quartet was playing there his jazz quartet or maybe uh, another one of his ensembles and they're playing a uh, uh, a set one night in 2014. Someone walks in, sits down. They finish their set. That person gets up and walks away, and people start going, "Was that David Bowie, who came to to watch him?" And then uh, the story goes. I think I, I guess like a, a short time later, Bowie contacts Mark Juliana. Juliana, I loved you guys. I want you to play on my on on my new album, well, which is, you know what I mean. Hmm? So. <laughs> But obviously the the cool thing about that is is that juliana's sound can match pretty much anything as opposed to you know as you were saying with zappa which is like one one uh like popish tune and then like <laughs> all of his other things where they didn't know what what he, uh they were getting uh, themselves into uh, but we knew exactly what he was getting himself into when he when he uh decided to bring juliana on board but that's the story and that's a lesson to you warren <laughs> Wherever you are, remember make sure, that. Make make sure you're you're doing something uh, and you're doing the best that you can at it because you never know when someone like a Bowie will walk in and uh wait, wait, be this, checking you out. We're, we're
0: supposed to be this 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 uh, podcast we're supposed to have you know reflections towards Warren, right? So can I maybe
1: give you some parenting advice of what not to do? Well, why wouldn't you? Because but, isn't that what parenting is? <laughs> like parenting is not only talking about your kid, but it's also Telling other parents how to raise their kids as well too. My brother and I were told from my mother, right, mm-hmm.
0: when we lived when we were toddlers, right, and we were living in the Bronx, right. My grandfather uh, was part owner of a Democratic club, mm-hmm. right. Uh, this was in Closon Point, the Bronx, and she would have to go shopping. My father's at work, you know. My sister was in high school at the time, right? So she would ask my grandfather to watch and said, sure, bring him to the Democratic Club, right? And supposedly the way that he would watch us was he would each give us a little glass of beer, Wonderful. We're talking like, maybe I'm like one and a half, my, my brother's like three, three yep. and a half, right? And this explains so much, yeah. by the way. Keep going. And then, and, and then yeah, let us each take a, a, a puff of his cigar, right? Because you're
1: the cigar smoker. And we get dizzy and fall oh, out. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so I get dizzy and almost, I, I, I remember the, the, just a few years ago, I accidentally inhaled a cigar and it like hit my head on the table from like how strong one it uh-huh. was. And I'm like 30. And how old were you when you puffed a cigar? I was a baby a toddler. How are you not like how did you not like spontaneously combust? Well, no I'm, I'm, don't, don't you realize that's why I'm the person uh, I am today that, to, And that's why I said this explains so much beautifully broken, you know, <laughs> okay, so anyway, come on No, well, so the story is don't I'm do that with Warren having more <laughs> <smoking> <laughs> no, with
0: and, and the point I want to make is <laughs> the point I want to make is really don't let them drink beer at that age Why? <laughs> 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 Why is what can do I I
1: I think yeah, I think he'll he'll be he'll be safe from that. I'm trying to think of the first time I ever had a um a drink. No, I can't I can't remember. What I do remember though was was that i I think my dad just for like the sake of it when I was I was growing up maybe like you know elementary school Dad, let me try Of course he gave me like a sip and I was like ah it tastes horrible And then I remember uh, going to some other family function and they had mineral water or something. but I was expecting it to be like sprite. Or oh. something sweet, mm-hmm. you know. So I took a sip of it and I did a spit take. Your classic, like, <laughs> and everyone's like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I'm like, "You gave me beer Be- because it, <laughs> that's what it, it reminded me of," you know. So, oh geez. But it, but in any case, uh, in case people don't know, uh, Roy is also very. Su- he's he's successful in in, in the uh, fact that he has raised a son as well too. And he has also flown the coop mark who I also know personally as well uh, a wonderful guy and he's he's out he's married getting his new house so that's uh, a couple of uh, notches under your belt as and also you know if there was like a ranking thing what is it the stripes on your uh, shoulder or something you'd probably be like a three-star general I'm lucky he turned out as he turned out (laughs) yeah and when I first met Mark, the cool part that I I found about it was that not only was he like sitting there studying for his uh, 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 for law school and everything, but also at the same time he was he was bobbing his head. He was giving you feedback on your keyboard. So he was giving uh, he was like, oh, that, that's like some cool stuff. Oh, what's that well, on on your guitar? He had his own. Guitar rig. And you were giving him pointers on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's the other thing. I, I, I recall within like a month or two, he's like, hey, can you... Sh-? And so after a rehearsal, I'm I'm like trying to smash through his half guard <laughs> as he's like, you know, defending like like no gi and everything. And I came home that night and, and my wife's like, why are you sweating so much? <laughs> and, and I said, oh, I ended up, you know, ro- rolling with Mark. He goes, what are you... I thought you were rehearsing. And then it's a, it's a bit of a story. But yeah, Mark is also uh uh very uh into martial arts as well too into into jiu-jitsu and uh yeah that's another i guess that's a compliment to to you roy as far as uh going through the whole path and whatever as far as backseat parenting that you want to throw for warren as you see well, with how did did, did you, don't
0: don't stifle whatever whatever oh. directions they're going to go into mm-hmm. unless it's really uh, they're looking to
1: become uh, you know uh, I don't know uh, a criminal or something like that. You, know, you don't don't stifle the ambition. Wait, wait, wait. We're not supposed to like encourage it. I, I mean, Dexter. When I watch it, uh, tells me otherwise. I never really watched it, only the first episode. Of Dexter, so I can't can't follow along. Oh, that. you know. Oh, you got to control your anger there, Dexter. Here, you got to focus it. Oh, he's a serial killer, but he only kills the good, uh, the bad guys. You know, get that, get out of here. You know.
0: <laughs> no, but really, don't don't stifle them. Yeah, I mean? Mm-hmm. He he wanted to get into martial, martial. Well, actually, we kind of introduced him to the martial arts. <gasps> At what age? He was six, I think.
1: Yes. That was, yeah. the, go, go on. No, yeah. Go on. And,
0: and we, we were just very fortunate. Who knew it? Because you know how small our town is. You know? Yes. It's a small town. And so the dojo that uh, we brought him to, the local dojo, which was Alan Anita Santucci. Wait, wait, wait.
1: You, imme- you immediately um, um, agreed to let him try martial arts when he Absolutely. first requested Go on, absolutely. We brought them, but who knew that this little dojo, which I should
0: have realized when I saw that it was occupied, like four of the upstairs, you know, uh, the storefronts, Mm -hmm. the upstairs floor. So it was really large. Uh, They were like super highly, you know decorated or what do you call them They're well known in the in the uh, karate world uh-huh. i mean she was the first she was the first uh, uh olympic referee and in uh, uh or judge in uh in karate uh he was he's a 12th degree black belt you know and but they i think it maybe helped form him even more so
1: than i did you know because they were very much really? forming character building so he started with karate yeah how, uh, so he started at six, and how and how long was he in karate for? Oh, a number of years. He he he
0: had his brown belt, you know, and they they were they did not give out belts very easily. Also, they made sure that That's you know, develop. And he went to a lot of competitions. Um,
1: and he, oh, and he did compete too. Oh That's yeah, awesome. oh
0: yeah, we traveled around the U.S. Really? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know this about Mark. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Uh, someday he'll tell you about how he was, he was next to death's door. he had some terrible virus. He was throwing up the entire way on our way to Canton, Ohio. And oh. we ended up in a hospital like maybe 40 miles before that because he was so bad. We didn't know. And they would just said, he, he just sick and just had to give him a bunch of fluids. And we told him, you don't have to compete. You can just mm-hmm. go and watch if you want. Long story short, he ended up getting a bronze. Very nice. <laughs> in, his, in his class. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, don't stifle him, you know, uh, Mark wanted to start playing music, right? And so, as a matter of, fact, I got him a guitar. But even before I got him a guitar, uh, my nephew, right, had had this cheap electric guitar. He wanted to mm. give him. He had bought himself a telly. He's my drummer. My nephew, who's the drummer, by the yes. way. Yes. So he just said, "Mark, you take this, right?" And so, <sighs> Mark had that. He was identifier. gifted a telly. Yeah. Oh, he was much more gifted than that. My my, I told you about my my buddy who has you know. The program music and was doing basically 12% of the national market at one point. Okay. Uh, he gave him uh, the the 57 Mustang. I showed you that one time. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, you know, wow. He said, yeah, yeah, there's something
1: going, yo. Know. Awesome. Hmm. I wish I was gifted it. Well, to be fair, it took a it took a lot of years. It took a lot of whining and pouting. But then recently, I was gifted the ES-335 from my dad. So. Um, That's a great guitar. Oh,
0: yeah. I love the sound of 335s. Three, three, mm-hmm.
1: The, the reason why I, I, you saw my eyebrows raise when, when um, you said, yeah, when Mark wanted to go into martial arts and you were like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll try it out. I think, uh, what was it? Back in, back in the 80s, everyone watched Karate Kid and everyone wanted to be a, like, thought they were a black belt or they knew karate from that. And so when I saw that, I was freaking out. I, it, I think it was along with Karate Kid, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever whatever else was out at the time. I I just knew I wanted to do you didn't something. See, you didn't see the Bruce Lee movies by that time? Um, I probably did, but it was... You know how, like, in th- those movies, whether it be uh, Ninja Turtles or Karate Kid, they just kind of got to the action right oh, away? Oh, yeah, right, right. Bruce Lee movies are movies. They develop. He's got, like, this whole character and everything. And then you eventually get to the fight scenes. that mm. I couldn't, like... Wait for. In fact, I think like Enter the Dragon had like a pretty kind of like a lot of racy scenes. What about Mortal Kombat? What's that? Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat came way after. Okay, way after. Um, I think that was uh, already. Come over here. (laughs) (laughs) But with. uh, Karate Kid or Ninja Turtles obviously you got to see hi yeah, and it was all you know it was all it was it was like look there's ten foot soldiers around you and then like you just like you hit them in the face you hit him in the stomach and they all get knocked out and they're unconscious or something just from one little tip 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 and sometimes like a triple kick or something like that Bruce Lee was oh I'm flipping you over I'm arm barring you I'm choking you out and everything which I found out a lot later long story short I couldn't watch him my dad wouldn't let me watch like uh, those movies there was one scene where I think like some guy like uh rapes and kills his sister or or something like that yeah bolo Whoa. in the origi- in the original uh, uh enter the dragon mm-hmm. bolo like does something to his sister or some or some relative and that's why he wants to like come back and uh that famous scene where he like jumps and does that double stomp and it's like and, like has that phase and he like kills him mm-hmm. and then obviously the everyone turns around like shows their back to him like oh you're not supposed to kill him or something i i forgot but in any case mm-hmm. i wanted to do karate I asked my dad i want to do karate and my dad's like "Mm, no no really yes and every couple of years like hey can i take some type of martial arts nope and you know what's the the repeated line he always said to me was "Eck, you know your only job is to go to school to learn and he 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 did that he stuck to that message but you know what
0: it's so it was so character building i think it helped focus mark much more, you know. You know before that, you know. Also, Mark was, you know, there was a lot of kids bigger than him at the time, mm-hmm. right? So you know, of course, you're gonna have the bully mm-hmm. syndrome, right? So of course, you got that you know, that going on. It made it, it. It so centered him, and he was so relaxed. I mean, he didn't act out. The only time he had actually did in middle school, he had this really bully that came that. There was a problem kid that came in. Was a, I think I told you a story. His father was you know, was a policeman from somewhere in Bergen County. Oh, I didn't Who, hear and story. It, no. Well, the father was a policeman and moved his family over, right? Long story short, the father it was uh, was arrested and prosecuted for... Uh, oh, you know, Jesus. Yeah, for, uh, shall we say, for sexual conduct with minors. Okay. Right? So the kid right. had a problem. Yeah. You know, he came yeah. from a problem. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> and. He started picking on Mark, you know, and and, uh, and Mark just turned around, apparently, this was during lunchtime out, you know, out in the field, you know, yep. playground, yep. and supposedly, as I was told from his friends and, and even the teachers afterwards, because Cheryl was on the board of Ed, so he knew the teachers, is apparently Mark, just in three moves, you know, from karate, just had him down and just was holding him in place, and then when the teachers came over and saw who it was, and said, okay, Mark, you go on, play with the kids, and the other kid got expelled. <laughs>
1: I only got in one fight um, in in grade school. I think it was it, it was like in fifth grade. And it was uh, uh, out here, right? Right mm-hmm. in Nutley. And, and uh, there's a big like little football field. Everyone was playing touch football. But this one kid was being really rough and like almost tackling people. You know, in touch football. Just two hands. That's it. Just tag them. And then like he did it like three times. He did it to <coughs> one of my uh, friends. So then I, I shoved him. And then it just it just basically got into your your basic elementary school like shoving match. There wasn't any real strikes thrown or anything like that. Oh no, no,
0: nah. oh, it, and I got picked as I was a kid. Yeah. As a kid, I got picked on a lot. You know, yeah. I, was, I was a nerdish type probably. No, really, really, <laughs> and and I got picked on, and I, and so you know I got picked, and you know you shrug it off. And I think I can only remember two fights that I actually ended up fighting back. One with this little kid that you know this uh, that you know. Said something about my mother.
1: Some reason, took me off, and I
0: started. Oh, and I, of I turned around back, and I started just lashing at him.
1: So that got of course, broken ba- up. Back in the day, <laughs> yeah. saying something about your mother was that uh, what is that? Them fighting words. Yeah, right? right. So, so that that came to.
0: I never had had anything with him after that. But one of his friends, one time, right? I was. I remember. I lived on a corner property, mm-hmm. and I was working out. You know, doing the lawn. You know, for my my family on the side, and. This one guy came over, and this uh, is friend of his who's bigger, too, and started picking on me, right? And I was, get away, and he did the wrong thing. He happened to slap me and knock my glasses off. And Uh-oh. I just saw red. Yeah. And it ended up, my father ended up pulling me off on top. He yes. had me in a scissors lock, scissors lock, but nice. I was on top of him, and I was just wailing uh-huh. his face. <laughs> so, so, then after that, then, you know what happened after that? That's when the, the summer of 69 basically happened, and people started you know getting into music, and I was allowed to play in high school uh-huh. the organ in the auditorium. That was the oh, sacrosanct, yeah. but I was allowed to play. So my lunch hours, I'd like, just go over there and play rock tunes. So then I was cool for some reason. Also because I was growing my hair long.
1: <laughs> and also because music at that time was like, if you could if you could play, oh, you were seen as like as godly.
0: Funny you thing is, is all, I mean? all the guys that were all the all the uh, the hoodlum greasers and stuff like that, they were uh-huh. getting in bands, they would all call me up and want to join the band yeah. <laughs> after that.
1: That was the new. It was the new <clears throat> big. It was the new hotness. Mm-hmm. So, the the correlation to my little schoolyard fight was also I relate to Mark in that like afterwards, after they pulled us apart, the principal took the took a look at it, the two of us, knew me as mm-hmm. the nerd mm-hmm. or whatever that just never got in trouble. The other kid obviously was the troublemaker. those. Mm-hmm. It's it like he just asked me, "All right, what happened? All right, okay, defend. All right, go ahead, go back to class. I'm like, All right, okay, They're right, <laughs> you know, so." But the other big thing was, um, as you were mentioning too, that yes, of, of it centering Mark because he was able to do uh, martial arts from such an early age, apparently starting at six. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what it was? I didn't start. Maybe doing, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't start. Doing, here, here's what happened. After I graduated college, I was, you know, floundering around a little bit. My dad was asking, oh, so what do you want to do now? You know, I, I forgot which job I was working, but also I do recall saying, I think I want to learn how to fight, and so he kind of just like sighed. He he smiled. He you know looked up, and it, he did realize his words that my job at school was done mm-hmm. because I was done with school now. Mm-hmm. So um, my guitar teacher at the time was also into mixed martial arts. So I asked him, "Oh, should I go to like this karate school? I saw this other school." He goes, "No, no, 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 no. You don't want. You don't need any of that uh, today." This was in 2004, 2005 or something like that. I forgot. And he goes, here, try this school at And it was a mixed martial arts school in in, in Nutley. So he saved me a bunch of, um, because of a lottery.
0: Of- You're lucky, because that's when it really just started really becoming popular around. Yeah. Then. And
1: the other big thing, too, was uh, the fact that uh, Mark was lucky, too, that he got into... Because uh, you hear horror stories of traditional martial arts where they have schools where they give black belts to kids when they're only you know like six years old or seven years old or something like that Mm -hmm. black you know and uh, not not real actual uh, sparring or anything like that and some some of the instructors they claim to be and this is before the age of the internet they Uh claim to be black belts nowhere (laughs) close oh yeah so when I went to the the mixed martial arts school I remember my first lesson I uh, uh, it was like an ankle lock it was like a double leg takedown and a rear naked choke. No, no, guillotine, a guillotine choke. Those three things, and I was like, "What? Like, wh- I, I thought I would be like, you know, throwing spin kicks or, mm-hmm. you know." And then I was like, I, "I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I, I, I want to do all this." And then uh, the instructor was like, "Here, rent these videos at Blockbuster, just to show you how long ago this was." Was on back? <laughs> no, he told me to rent the first three UFC's oh really yes so I'd never seen them before I heard about them but I never seen them before. <laughs> the, the I, I only knew about UFC because I was watching professional wrestling WWF at the uh-huh. time and Ken Shamrock was done with UFC and he was actually like intercontinental champion in WWF mm-hmm. World Wrestling Federation at the time before it became WWE so then I'm watching UFC and I'm watching Hoist Gracie just choke out Giants and I'm like, what is going it, like it, it just because you, you got to remember, I got raised on Karate Kid. I got raised on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I got raised on um, Bruce Lee. Even though Bruce Lee did show that he had like mixed martial arts and ground fighting and everything, a lot of his stuff was still his striking and like, you know, one punch knockout or like his one inch punch and everything like that. So, yeah, that's that's how I started. And what you also said also resonated with me where you said that Mark was just so much more centered and balanced. At, at, oh, absolutely. at that point. I was so... At, after I got out of college... Oh, hi, Hobbs. Hi, Hobbs. How are you doing? Boy? Hobbs is our other son. Our our half-lab, half-pit son. Now he wants some affection. <laughs> um, after, you know, getting out of college, just still really confused, just still really, you know, even though I had my, my degree and everything, I still want to do this, I don't want to do that. There was always something like i guess searching in me or i just didn't that definitely definitely the confidence there was definitely self-confidence issues and everything and i just couldn't figure it out but then upon starting to fight and then upon starting to just like train that way ooh, you could you could easily i i joke with jess my, um that um you wouldn't have wanted to uh Met me back in I don't think any of my friends. I, I a lot of them. I don't think I would want them like my good friends now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have wanted them to have interacted with me pre uh, taking martial arts and everything. Just a totally different person. Yeah. Just as far as mm-hmm. just like how how the, the mannerism, just losing my cool mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, um, at the same time though, it's something to be said where. I actually know life before martial arts versus like uh now Uh you know what i mean so i I have like a comparison point so it's kind of like you 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 ask yourself like um can you really appreciate it you know what i mean so it's same thing with 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 jess jess has been training since she was also you know um five or, or or six so she doesn't have she her first like memory. I have made a joke about this. Like, if you do like a you know what is Windows uh version of like backup. I know Apple does Time Machine or something, right? Isn't there something like a restore points? They just for, restore Windows restore, restore points. If you go back to the earliest like Time Machine or Windows restore point mm-hmm. for Jess, there's martial arts in there. Oh really? You know, huh? if you go back far enough with me, yeah, you get you get Eki without any any martial arts. So it's kind of like I can appreciate it. But at the same time, does that really count? As far as just like, oh, I can appreciate life before that, and I have like my comparison point. Or do I want to be the type, or do I wish I was the type of person that was like, oh, it was from the very start ingrained in me. So obviously, starting out with uh, with with Warren, he, th- I'm sure you've probably already seen pictures of him. We take him to you know jujitsu. Love his like, gi. Yeah, he's got his own little gi on. He's already got a good grip. You know, pulling people by the you know collars and mm-hmm. everything. So. That's really cool though that uh, Mark was encouraged to do a, a bunch of things from the very get-go and do you ever find yourself actually no I, I can answer that question already you never really found yourself like needing to as we know some some parents and everything you hear about them like the overbearing ones want to live vicariously through them and
0: oh no I, I, no I was just the exact opposite I was the I was a late child in my family the youngest of three. I think my parents were burnt out by that time, mm. so I really was i basically kind of a lot part grew up on my own you know my sister moved out of the house shortly after we moved out of, out to long island so let's see, I think I was ten years old when she got married mm-hmm. all right so I grew up basically my brother my brother you know was two and a half years older than me oh. uh but I learned for the most part just by myself, yeah, yeah, so
1: there's a lot of self taughtness yeah. uh going. For, uh, for you, yeah.
0: as right? far as as far as music, though, mm-hmm. I should t- tell you, I did what I did was uh, I went the route that. Obviously, I told you but limited I had with my, my piano instruction, maybe three and a half years in totally. But then I uh, did school instruction, and so I started in tenth grade. We started music theory. Yes. So, music theory. I was doing choir, orchestra, band, music theory, and they also, they, even though, they didn't, they they called it like a music performing option. They allowed Mm -hmm. me to take all the courses where not many of the other students they would allow to take all the courses. Uh, So I did that, and I had my background from that, too, my music training. Very Um, nice. Then then I went to college, right? At music, obviously. But after my first year, I got an offer to go on the road, so, you know, the rest is history.
1: (laughs) So when you do go on the road, it's kind of like... Do you think you, you at that point, had a, a good enough base in music where... Um, as opposed to having no base in music and attempting to self-teach yourself, having a bit of a base and then knowing what to teach yourself, as well as pulling in experiences or advice from other mentors.
0: The most important part of that whole music experience was probably the theory. Yeah, because if you know theory, mm-hmm. then the re- you can basically direct yourself on how to how to learn. You know, at that point, you know what direction you have to improve just upon yourself. You know, yeah. and you can seek those avenues. But you. The, whole basis of music once you know music theory and understand music theory for composition purposes for performance purposes you know it it's really well theory is the basics of music that's what you're learning
1: what do you say to those people who uh say they they want to just self-teach themselves and they don't want to like have like outside influences like they want to be as original as they want to be so if they start Uh, taking formal instruction or anything like that they may not be them
0: if you want to learn your own first if you have the latent ability to be a musician so that's not a problem i i do think that maybe early on getting some fundamental instruction it can only even be six months for that matter you know very short might be a good good thing but at that point I definitely feel that if you want to learn, on, you want to develop your craft on your own mm-hmm. and you want to have your own, don't want to be influenced by anyone else. I mean, I did a period, yeah, I'd listen to a lot of people and then I purposely would not listen to anything. Mm-hmm. And I would just play because I wanted to get those influences out and try to nurture myself. Yep. But, you know, you don't do that forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something you do for a period of time and you help nurture because it's like stepping on a ladder. Each time you step on here, you get to this point. Then you have to change your modus, and you're going to have to find some other thing to help you, and you step on that. And as you're going up, everything culminates together to your art form and how you play and and who you are.
1: Do you think there was anything as you were learning where, obviously in theory, when a lot of people hear about learning (coughs) music theory and, 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 and they think of it more like math, they think of it like a lot of rules to learn and everything. Not rules. Possibilities,
0: because mm-hmm. it is, at the beginning it's rules, it's possibilities. I think the biggest thing you learn is Bach figured bass. You learn about, you know, you well, from a, a guitarist or keyboard, anyone that does chords and melody together, mm-hmm. you realize, uh, you know, if, if you are starting on your own, you think, oh, this is a C chord. Mm-hmm. You only think of it in that position. Once yep. you start about thinking of Bach figured bass and say, hey, this could be in a first position instead, mm-hmm. and it sounds totally different. You know, where the third is your the beginning of your chord, as opposed to playing your t- typical triad, you know, mm-hmm. first, third, and fifth, or you know, second, uh, second position, you know, and then you learn about all you know, alt- alterations of chords, you know, and uh, as you know, I like to interesting, you yes, know,
1: I like harmonic crunchy, crunchy. I think that's the term everyone uses, <laughs> crunchy chords. I don't know why crunchy. I don't know why either, but I, I remember hearing some guy, like, after he he'd like learned some like Dominant 7 slash chord sharp 11, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's crunchy as fuck. And I was like, all right, I guess that's the term. I don't, all right. <laughs> I like it because it adds flavor. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But also, at, at that point, I think what you're also saying is that, yeah, there are, are rules, but probably for anyone starting out, you need those rules to kind of figure out the possibilities. And, um, once you get outside those rules, you, as you said, there's, there are more possibilities from that. So in other words, you need those initial rules to kind of just like steer you in the right way because, or else you just sound like a keyboard cat. And then just just exploring from that point on. Mm -hmm. So you think probably with that, I've always kind of operated by that. Um, especially after like, you know, after, after martial arts and with, with music, There's a lot of improvisation in in, in both of them. And then you can apply that to a lot of things that you go through with, with uh, just the way you operate in life as well, too. Absolutely. You know? So kind of like, all right, here are the rules. Now figure out how much you can bend them without actually breaking them. Isn't that the mantra for life, period? It is. What was it? What was Charlie Parker's thing?
0: Oh, Uh, yeah. Learn everything you can when you get up on stage, you know, just blow. Just throw the
1: throw the yeah. Forget about it just, it just blow. You know because it, by that point you know it's inherent. You know, and for uh, for everyone listening, this that's basically the approach we uh, Roy and I took uh, doing this initial podcast here, where we just had a, a bit of an outline of like kind of what we wanted to talk about. Did we follow it at all? <laughs> a little bit. Just, bare, you know, every once in a while, referencing Warren and everything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, it was just going with it. And um, I enjoyed it a lot. It was so fun. So did I. It was fun. And this was about an hour already. And I know you got to go. Yeah. So I appreciate it, Roy. And hopefully, you know, you had fun with it as well, too. Absolutely. Maybe we'll do some, We'll do it again sometime. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Thank you so much. See ya. <laughs>